1: What's up, guys? And welcome back to the three-year anniversary Ooh. of Beyond, Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right, guys. We made it three fucking years. You know that?
0: Well, technically, one year for
1: me. What? Dude, <laughs> you've been here since the beginning. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm just glad you're here to celebrate it with me, man. Ooh, we got some Sambouk in the house. Yeah, man. Three fucking years.
0: Yeah, oh, wow. man.
1: Crazy. Dude, it's a, it is crazy to me, man. Like, thinking about everything that I've done for the fucking podcast behind the scenes and everything. Like, I don't know why I haven't just, like, been like,
0: fuck it! <laughs> fuck it! <laughs> I still remember we did the, we pulled that all-niner when we did the, the Friday the 13th series.
1: Oh, my God, dude. I was watching so much. That whole week, man, like right. I watched both like the documentary, which is like six and a half fucking hours long. And then I like had to like research fucking uh, the video game because we were doing that, too. Like,
0: oh, I forgot about that, dude. Yeah, we, that was uh, the very next day, wasn't it? Because we recorded that night and right. it came back that morning.
1: And I was, guys, just so you know, like, for those of you who have been here for a long enough time, when we first started this thing out, it was it was me and Mike, and we had no idea what we were going to do. If you listen to our first episode, which is one of our most listened to episodes, and it's so weird, because, like, when I think about it, I'm like, I'm glad people listen to it, but in the same respect, like, so much has changed. Even, right,
0: the production value's gone up.
1: Well, and- like, you know, how comfortable we feel, right. like, what we talk about, the format, like, you know, just all these little things and when i think about that like maybe it was better simple to them like i don't know but if that's the sample that they're getting from 3 years ago so much has changed yeah i used to dump so much on these guys guy uh guys guys it's just too much there (laughs) come on guys Uh, guys guys guys. uh but i used to dump so much like i wanted to watch like five fucking movies a week guys and and seriously like i was like oh my god like thinking back on that i'm like what was i thinking you know like that is just
0: and then we thought we were whittling down when we went to three
1: right and and like (laughs) everybody had to pull their equal weight and it was like it was a it's been a struggle you know it's a it's a learning process and you know i think we've only missed like in the three years i think i've only missed like two weeks each year
0: that's when you went to your your family's house yeah
1: right even when i went to visit my family this week i had one ready
0: we we planned
1: it so that i would have it and then it would be you know what i mean so I don't know. It's. I just want you guys to know, for all of those who are listening now, whether you're new, old, or, you know, this is your first episode, like, thank you. You guys fucking are the biggest reason as to why I do this. Yeah, I'm fucking crazy, and, like, you know, I'm, like, oh, uber passionate about dumb shit, and, and I might come down on Patrick, you know, back in the <laughs> old days. Me. But beats it's all part of the green growing process, right? Like,
0: Yeah, you know, I, I miss the news segment. I'm I do, bring too.
1: I know. What do you guys think? I would love to hear what you think. Do we need to bring the news segment back? Because I'm a long winded motherfucker, and it's like I want to cover like every single base on every fucking movie we do to try to do it. So I'm like still learning. I'm still learning. You
0: know, <laughs> you got to learn to let some shit go, <laughs> right?
1: I, but I want to know what you guys think, genuinely. So let us know. You know, I mean, sometimes I'm sure, and that's why I started putting those uh, timestamps in the fucking right episode. So you stop
0: listening to those people complain,
1: right? Well, it's not even about. I don't care if someone complains. About it, I mean, their concerns are valid. Like, you know, but everybody has a different style. Everybody has a different interest.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot. Someone complained about us cussing last week. Yeah, right? yes. So fuck shit, piece of shit. <laughs> fuck you, shit.
1: <laughs> it's a, it's a, yeah, it's one of those things. But yeah, guys, um we had somebody that was like, it's not that I don't even care. Like I, I thought it was funny. Like yeah. I was laughing my Maybe ass they meant off. it as a joke. Well, they said they said something on SoundCloud, and I'm not trying to point you out by the way so if you're listening it's it's really not a big deal i just thought it was humorous i thought it was funny because i was like yeah we really do cuz it
0: was fucking funny
1: and when i was listening to the segment where they commented on because in soundcloud you can like comment on fucking like where oh really here i am saying fucking already (laughs) you can comment on where in the the part you're listening to that inspired you to write at that moment. So while you're listening on SoundCloud, you can write and they wrote and I went back and listened. And I was like, God damn, we really did say fuck a lot. <laughs> we said fuck and shit a lot, but I just started laughing by myself, which I was like, this is a really good joke. Uh, but yeah, we're going to really try to fucking not cuss on this episode, guys. So, you know.
0: Fucking A right.
1: Fuck yeah, man. Like It's going to be a fucking real... <laughs> we're going to really fucking... Tone it down, you know? Tone it the fuck down. (laughs) Tone the fucking shit out of it, you know? Down. It's for all of our Disney fans out there. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) But seriously, for those of you guys that have been listening uh, for however long, it doesn't matter. We really do appreciate you guys. Like, I fucking adore you guys. Uh, Some of you I know are more vocal than others, and that's fine, like, whether you want to say something or not, but just know. This is your home. This is a safe space for all of us (laughs) to enjoy each other's company. And I fucking adore it. I've made so many wonderful friends over the years who have listened to the podcast, who've come over, who've uh, interviewed with us, who have... Uh, done like you know just like guest spots you know like there's too many to name like and i talk to all these people like regularly even some of the like directors and stuff like that behind the scenes we we do it we like hang out and talk occasionally just to say what's up and i just think that's so cool man like that's what it's all about to me is just finding people who like the weird shit that we do and uh you know talk about it but uh yeah so and guys today we're going to be actually talking about scary stories to tell in the dark the movie we I read some of the books I read some of the passages to my girlfriend and Patrick and Kelly
0: yeah like I felt like I wanted to cuddle up and take a <laughs> little nap <laughs> sit
1: right down and get ready for some scary stories to tell in the dark <laughs> and like seriously guys i've been thinking about like actually reading them to you but i was like that might be copyright
0: yeah so I'm not,
1: I'm not gonna do that i don't know man yeah, we won't go there i don't think you can but anyway But yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. We really appreciate you. Uh, Tell us what your favorite shit is about this podcast. Is it the fucking cussing? Is is it the fucking goddamn horror shots? Do you like the news? Do you like our breakdowns of the movies? Do you like our reviews, our trivia? Like, What is it that you like about the the show?
0: We haven't done the news in, like, fucking... At least a
1: couple years. Well, it's because of time. I don't want to make these episodes like three hours long. That's a lot to ask of somebody. Also, guys, we have a giveaway that we're going to be doing this week. So if you haven't signed up for the VIP club that's on com, you're missing out. We're giving away free fucking movies all the time. What the
0: fuck is wrong with you?
1: Yeah. Every month we're going to be giving away free movies. And all you have to do is sign up. Sign up for the fucking goddamn podcast will basically give you alerts when we go live. So it's nothing you don't want to hear already. Plus, you're going to get like a bunch of different fucking movies that, you know, we have some of these are a little bit more summer themed that Christina and I are putting together, but you're definitely going to want to. I would take them for sure, and we'll send them out as long as you're in US or Canada. We'll send them out to you um, and it'll take a few days to we'll get them. Last time we got it out, we got some special things in there. I did mention we were going to give away Hobo with a shotgun on DVD special two disc edition, uh, you know, with Wrecker Hour passing. It's a nice little complimentary thing if you haven't had it. So, but there's other stuff in there. I think there's like five, six movies in there actually.
0: So, yeah, just sign up.
1: Yeah, guys, be cool. Be like us. Well, maybe don't be like us. Be like cool people. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Don't be like, you know,
1: the people that sign up. Yeah. Yeah. You be like those people.
0: (laughs) Can I bring up one tip of news that I saw that you even posted? All Um, right. What is bigger than three year anniversary, Patrick? What's Quinn Tarantino doing a fucking horror movie? Well, he's supposedly.
1: Well, one of my friends and I was like just trying to like get people to talk about this, but like he's already done a horror movie. Technically. Death Proof. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it is. I mean, they're not wrong. Whoever feels that way. But when I think of like horror, horror movie, I feel like that's more of like a like a kind of like an action exploitation film more than it is a horror film for some reason in my mind. I definitely agree that it can't it has the gore in there. I mean Oh yeah, dude the way that fucking leg flies out. <laughs> right. Like that's oh, like one shit. of the most memorable scenes in any fucking movie. But yeah, I would love to see another horror movie from him. Maybe he'll go more horror this time like i was talking to somebody online and in in uh, on twitter or whatever and we were going back and forth about what it, what it would be if he did a horror movie and i was like well he just feels like a slasher kind of guy
0: oh yeah you know oh, yeah
1: like he's just a slasher kind of guy but maybe he could do like a fucked up family sort of story and too. he always
0: dude did one of his one of his things i love about quentin tarantino is he just the character development that he brings
1: well and a lot of people will argue this with him is that he borrows from a lot of stuff too so uh, and I'm not trying to take away from him guys but they're you know it's it's not too far of a stretch of the imagination that he borrows from other underground you know classics that we like and turn them into mainstream movies right you know and gives them that sort of retro pastiche sort of feel that's like Tarantino esque. you know I haven't even seen the new movie by the way I really want to go see it
0: Oh, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
1: Yeah. 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 All I've been hearing is amazing shit about it. He said in an interview that while he was on the set shooting a scene in that movie that was basically when all the murders took place, I guess. They do something with that. Oh, the Charles Manson Yeah, thing, I have yeah. no idea. Sharon but Tate. He, he didn't explain anything about it other than that when he was taking these shots, he was sending them over to the editor so that he could edit up the scenes and, like, you know, get to work on these so they could put out the movie as soon as they could, you know, um, he said that, they, that the editor was like, this is fucking horror. This is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, really? That's what they were saying. He was like, oh, fuck, shit. you're kind of right. He was like, so because some guy was like, hey, do you what do you think you think you would be willing to do a horror movie? And everybody wants him to do like a Star Trek movie.
0: Well, he said he wanted to do it with the, some of the cast members from the movie that J.J. Uh, Abrams did. Right. Like, he wanted to use the same guy who played Kirk. His, his name escapes me right now. And I, the guy I, who played Spock.
1: Like, don't get me wrong. He has cool action in his movies. But I feel like sometimes he's a little long-winded in the things that he writes. You know? So, Star Trek isn't technically supposed to be more action than, than it is. You know, it's, more, it's supposed to be talky. It is where Star Wars is like. Bing, 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 Star Trek's more on the technical side. The it's actual supposed science. to be, yeah. yeah the... So I mean, it makes sense if you think of it that old way. But the way the new movies have gone have been a little bit more.
0: Well, he want what he wants to do is to scrap like those movies never happened. But he wants those actors to play the same characters that they played.
1: Huh. But he doesn't so want to have
0: anything to do with that fucking timeline because he thinks it's complete garbage is what he said. He <laughs> actually said gar- he, he thought it was complete trash.
1: I wonder if they would get like Chris Pine, who plays Kirk, Captain Kirk. Right. To like get back in that swing daddy. Oh, swing daddy. <laughs> you know, like fucking like he <laughs> would be like, yeah, daddy. Oh, you know. All right. But let, let, let's, well,
0: dude, not only that, but Zachary Quinto, dude, nailed Spock. Is it
1: Quinto? Oh, whatever. It Quinto, Quinto, whatever yeah. you want to say. Nailed Spock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. A lot of you. I was a little worried even when they did that earlier on. But this is a horror podcast, Patrick. Don't you Sorry. S- suck me into your fucking stupid sci-fi. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I love sci-fi. I'm just being a, d- a dildo. <laughs> uh, All uh, right. Uh, but I think it might be that time, Patrick. Oh, shit.
0: Horror Shots!
1: They're like, they just started Horror Shots? (laughs) I know that's what they're thinking, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. So guys, so what we're going to be doing today, since we watched the movie Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by Andre Ovidal, and of course, produced by
0: guillermo del toro
1: yes uh so we figured we'd do a shot based around it and the only name that we could come up with that seems somewhat clever uh, maybe be on the nose but yeah uh, it's it's a little bit on the nose but you know it's in good spirit of the movie is yeah. scary shots to take in the dark yeah because that's what what you do with a scary story to take or whatever <laughs> So we we actually had the books here, and we were like thumbing through all the stories that we kind of read today, and um, we were like thinking of, like, what we could do. We're like, oh, could we do the toe one and, like, do some sort of drink with that? And and ultimately, we just wanted to take something that would, like, kind of light up the night because it's supposed to be in the dark. And we thought, oh, what about glow-in-the-dark shots? So we kind of looked online to see how to do glow-in-the-dark shots. And we found one, but we changed the ingredients as per BTV usual and came up with scary shots to take in the dark. So you're going to need a black light for this because in order to have it glow-in-the-dark when you take the shot, Got, you're gonna have to have a black light, which
0: I'm sure most of your freaks out there
1: got one, right? So. Any of you potheads, especially. I know you motherfuckers are <laughs> always gonna have fucking black lights. You're like, it's like your little flies flying around, you're like hey! glowing
0: the dark, fucking Zeppelin posters and shit. <laughs> Whoa,
1: <laughs> flying He's around, here, trying to, man. Trying this to is take back country, <laughs> buy the ticket, take the ride, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we could reenact the fucking uh, <laughs> Fear and Loathing uh, <laughs> in Pot Head uh, talk. Anyway, so what you're gonna do is you're gonna need a black light at some point. You don't have to turn it on right before you do this, unless you want to be really cool. Uh, but you're gonna need a cup of tonic water, three ounces of blueberry Jello mix. It's a uh, berry blue, technically um berry boo any any kind of variation if you want to like spice it up with some blue raspberry jolly rancher jello mix then go ahead i don't give a fuck
0: i swear to god i had a problem with that kind of jello setting just just to warn you
1: okay well th- there you go there's their thing so you might want to just do berry blue and just keep it keep it real because we got one cup of 99 watermelons that you're going to have chilled in the fridge, fridge, freezer. I meant to say freezer, but yeah, you want to put it in the freezer. Uh, it's a very high proof, so it's not going to freeze or anything, but you're going to want to keep that in the freezer. And then what you do, the tonic water is what makes this shit fucking glow. So in a small saucepan over medium heat, you're going to bring that tonic water to a boil and then you remove it from the heat after it's boiling. You pour it into the three ounces of your blue jello mix, okay? You let that dissolve, you whisk it bitch up, you add your cold vod va- or your cold ninety nine watermelons, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's big bananas. Old, yeah, these big old ninety nine watermelons. Flip flopping around like some seventies fucking naked party and you pour it in the fucking jello mix and then you you basically pour it in your shots and let it put in the fridge like you would any kind of jello. The important thing is is that you actually put the cold jello in there. Uh, you want it very chilled. So I'm assuming frozen is very chilled. So you maybe you don't have to do it overnight, but you want it to be very Liquor chilled. Liquor won't
0: freeze anyways. Right. But so. I'm just
1: saying maybe if it's too cold, then it will like harden too quick. I think you should be fine. But you're supposed to mix it. You got to whisk it in when you do that after the uh, tonic water in the mix has been mixed first because it will help it set and be, you know, consistent throughout the whole jello mix. So, but that's it. Then you take the shots, you punch your friend in the face, and you say, Happy fucking three years, you piece of shit. And they'll not know what you're talking about, but then you'll let them listen to the episode. And that's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> And then they become fans, and we're friends, and everybody's happy, and we all suck each other's dicks.
0: Well, shouldn't they be like tie-dye diddly-do? I don't
1: know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> me tie-dee-do. I can't even remember how to fucking say it, so yeah, how am I going to- Yeah, man. If you want to get real classy, real scary stories to tell in the dark, you can say me tie tee walker, which is one of the stories in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I'll be here all night. <laughs> But before we move on, we got
0: we got to take a little drinky here, some sambo. Oh yes,
1: yeah, so we got to we got to celebrate our three year anniversary. So, and I'm sure this is long, but for you guys that just cannot stand us and can't stand our humor, you can skip right on into the fucking you know the review of the movie, the spoiler free first, and then we'll jump into our spoiler section with the history of scary stories to tell in the dark. Alvin Schwartz, Stephen Gamble, and a little bit of my own personal story. All right. Patrick, thank you for joining us. As always, thank it's a you pleasure. For, thank you for being uh, a part of this podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you it. for having me, bro.
0: A clinkety-clank. Salud.
1: Mm. <sighs> it's so sugary, guys. Oh, take me higher. Ooh, that's that's to the brim. All right, cheers. Okay. We got to take three shots. You know that, right?
0: Oh, for three years, huh? Maybe
1: we have to take four for to make it lucky. Oh, man. We'll take three. We'll take three. <laughs>
0: Ooh, it's a lab,
1: mama. It really starts to kick your ass. After second, second one, yeah. The nips get hard. You start busting through the screens in front of you. Your shirts are fucked because the diamond tips are just popping right through, ripping. <laughs> They're shredding your shirt right now. If you start moving, you're gonna rip they it. They are off. hard, dude. Yeah, They're I'm fucking... you. Woo. Yeah, I could, I could make, I could probably erase some of the words on this book's page <laughs> oh. with my erasers.
0: <laughs> All right, uno mas. Not one for good luck fuck you
1: I know it's too much I don't know if I could do the fourth one alright
0: alright salute my friend
1: you gonna you gonna ring in the fucking sh- this third shot with a puke
0: you, no we're not gonna pull it second puke
1: no, on no. the show ever no. come on I'm rooting for you <laughs> All right, guys, so if you would like to try out one of our horror shots, all you got to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shots section to take scary shots to take in the dark right now. That's it for horror shots. All right, guys, so now we're going to jump into our spoiler-free review of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. just came out, so don't worry. You don't want anything spoiled. We're going to be good, little boys, for the three-year anniversary. Did I mention that we did three years? By the way, uh, <laughs> we're a little fucked up right now, guys. Yeah. Those shots really got me sideways right now. I can tell, dude. That, that's Sambook. That's Sambook, yeah. like man. That's Sambook. It don't, it don't bugger around me. I mean, man, I'm fucking, I'm
0: fucking good, man. Shit. Yeah.
1: I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry we're being foul little children right now, but uh, it's just the way it is. So now we're going to jump into our spoiler-free review of scary stories to tell in the dark right now. We're going to go ahead and let Patrick do some of the honors on some of the intro information about the movie. The story is a group of teens
0: confront their fears to save their lives. Sweet. So the director for this movie is Andre Overdahl. Am I saying that right? I think so. I don't it care. could be
1: Overdahl, but who knows? It's, uh, yeah.
0: So other movies that he's known for is uh, Troll Hunter, The Autopsy of Jane Doe.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: Future mur- murder. Autopsy of Jane Doe is a great movie. Fuck you if you hate it. Yeah. I second that motion. <laughs> right in your keister. <laughs> so, other than that, he has an upcoming movie, which was a Stephen King book.
1: Yes. Called The Long Walk. Goddamn right. Yeah. So, fuck, guys. He's actually... I didn't realize he was... I forgot he was the one that was going to be doing the adaptation. So, really curious to see how that turns out.
0: You know what I vote, dude? The, the Langoliers. Like... Can somebody please remake the like Delaney do a Lear. real version yeah, of it yeah. please my favorite fucking Stephen King story.
1: Okay, yeah. There was some cool stuff in it. What about the Tommyknockers? Yeah, it was good too. Yeah. I like the Tommyknockers, whatever. I am sweating. Like I yeah. am sweating because we took those shots. The book is no joke. Don't yeah. fuck with the book. The book go book get will you. book you up. Yeah, the, you don't drink the book. The book drinks you. <laughs> And, and speaking of books, we're going to be talking about scary stories to tell in the dark book.
0: <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, the producer was uh, Guillermo del Toro. Of course. And some of the movies he's known for, if you don't know, Hellboy, Blade 2, which I didn't know that. You didn't know Blade 2? Yeah, I didn't I know that. that but it's his F- character. Dude, man. I love Blade 2. He's got great characters. He does. He does. And One of my favorite movies, Mimic. Yeah. Uh, continue. Oh, continue?
1: All right. Pacific Rim. Yeah, which was but come awesome. on, let's go back to the good shit. Come on. Pan's Labyrinth, for fuck's sake. Kronos, The Devil's Backbone. I mean, there's there's a bunch. He actually helped write the Silent Hill 10 game, the PT game, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. But anyway, continue. So some of the
0: writers we have is Dan Hagman and Kevin Hagman. And some of the movies these guys are known for are uh, pretty PG. I mean... PG-13, probably, like the Lego movie, the Lego Ninjago movie, and Hotel Transylvania. Okay. Uh, we also have uh, another screenplay writer was Guillermo del Toro, but obviously. you know the movies he's done. And then also Marcus Dunstan and Patrick
1: Welton. And then obviously the movie is, like I mentioned before... It was Alvin Schwartz. Well, not the movie, but the novels that are... the The, the, the movie is based on. Right, is Alvin, Alvin Schwartz. And he's done you know, the trilogy. Well, he's done tons of books. I'll get into that in the history, so don't worry about that. Uh, So the cast, we have also Zoe Margaret Coletti, who plays Stella Nichols. She's been in a few things. She's kind of young, you know, obviously, so she hasn't been in a whole lot, but she's been in Annie, the remake. She was in Wildlife, City on a Hill, Skin, and that's pretty much it. Also in the movie, it stars Ramon Morales, who is in this film. He was in the Hunger Games, Mockingjay, and Wayward Pines. We also have Gabriel Rush, who plays Augie, who was in The Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom, No Letting Go, and The Kitchen. Also in this movie is Dean Norris, who plays Rory Nichols. He was in, of course, Breaking Bad, Total Recall, Under the Dome, Get the Gringo, and many, many more. He played the FBI agent in He did a really Bad. good job at playing, like... The fucking asshole. Yeah, but he's... In this one, he's not so much the asshole, He's not a big, big part in this movie. No. This movie also stars Gil Bellows, who plays Chief Turner, who I've seen in a ton of fucking movies. He was in The Patriot, The Shawshank Redemption, Lovin' of 45 is most notable. He was one of the big, big stars in that one. Uh, He was in Suits, The Handmaid's Tale, Nation's Fire, Run This Town, and many, many, many more. Also, Austin Zajor. Zajorich Zajor I don't know Chuck Steinberg he plays he's the the kind of like the comedy relief for the most part in this movie. He is in movies... Yeah, he definitely
0: reminded me of that guy from Stranger Things. I can't think of the kid's name, but you guys know all I'm thinking of.
1: Yeah, and he was in Fist Fight, the comedy, and Jim Carrey's Kidding. And that's pretty much it. We also have Natalie Ganshorn, who plays Ruth in the movie, his sister, who has been in a few things called Make It Pop, Wet Bum, the Stanley dynamic, and quite a few others. And that's pretty much it for the cast, but uh, the budget is $25 million that they put into this film, which is... More than average. Yeah. And it definitely shows. Um, but we're going to tell you all about what we thought about it. Actually, Patrick, why don't you go ahead and kick it off and tell us what you think? Well, you know what? You being
0: the father of this podcast, I think you should take <laughs> on this and go first
1: don't give me that shit i'm not even the father by the way i'm the mother he mike impregnated me okay
0: (laughs) so he was the bastard father that took off yes
1: i birthed this motherfucker that is the deadbeat dad (laughs) oh shit shots fired (laughs) i don't mean that in a mean way it doesn't need to be a mean way but that's just the thing i've been taking it over since someone had to drive the fucking baby to the fucking school you had to send him to college somehow right (laughs) shit uh you're like the surrogate father <laughs> <laughs> like I, I stepped in <laughs> anyway continue on what did you think of this film patrick honestly it,
0: it was okay i'll tell you right now my... when you say okay like what the fuck man what does that mean I, I, it had great special effects okay great
1: acting okay uh it, it, it was what so 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 when you say special effects you mean cgi yeah obviously okay. yeah had a mix of the two though didn't it
0: it did it had practical and special, but it, it just it just seemed like it was kind of forced, kind of pushed along in some points. Okay, uh, I would have liked them to dig deeper into each story and maybe develop each story a little bit better than they did. It kind of just felt like they were just pushing through story after story, okay. just to try to get through. But uh, overall, it was it was a
1: good movie. What do you think of the acting in
0: it? Like, acting, what did you no, think? the acting was good. There wasn't anybody in there that was like, you're not pulling your weight. Okay, it was all pretty much even keeled. I. I I just want it more, okay. I really want it more.
1: that's understandable i've I've been
0: hearing a few people say that uh, and one of my favorite well probably one of the shortest stories was the Red Mark. I thought they could have done a gone to the fucking extreme with that right. The couple of stories that I really fancied reading when I was a kid they i it didn't deliver in my perspective. I mean, I really like to see it be pushed as far as they can go with it, and they didn't really go there. It felt like it it's definitely a movie that. You can bring your kids to and not feel like a, a jackass. I mean, for these doing days, so.
1: probably so, yeah. Right. Like,
0: I, I remember when I went to go see Chucky. Like, there was a fucking six-year-old kid there watching it.
1: Well, and, and if you guys know anything about these fucking books, there's been a lot of controversy about them since they began. Right. You could, you were able to buy them at book fairs when you were in school. There were some schools, some counties that blocked them from happening. There's been many things. And we'll get into that in the history of, of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which should be safe enough. It won't ruin anything about the movie, Right. by the way. Once we're done talking about this review, guys, so just just a heads up.
0: But, I mean, overall, I would give this movie, like, a a 7, 7.5. Okay.
1: You just wanted it a little bit more. I just, I, I really did. But maybe it's just because I've matured and, you know. Did e- you feel scared by anything? Were you uncomfortable with anything? Did you like the the visuals of anything? And when I say visuals, I mean, like, the cinematography, like. Oh, the cinematography was on point. There was definitely a lot of good shots in this film. Okay. Uh,
0: definitely a lot of good color palettes. But as far as being extremely creeped out, by
1: anything? Uh, not really. You know, one of the things I feel like I what I kept thinking while watching this movie is, like, I felt like I was watching a Stephen King film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, 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 like, not in a bad way, by any means. Like, I felt like, you know, it's because of the folk tales. Um, I don't want to ruin anything about the history of scary stories they tell in the dark. I'll kind of go over that in a little bit. But to give you kind of an idea, Alvin Schwartz was a fucking nut for folklore. And uh, Stephen King has a lot of, he does like a lot of folky kind of work, you know, he's very descriptive, of course, more than most folklore. Yeah. So he's not exactly folklore uh, because there's always like these hidden meanings and all that. And he does have some of that, too. But I don't know, this movie, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty decent. I wasn't over ecstatic about it. So if I was ecstatic about it, it'd probably be more of like an 8.5 to 10 you know, I know I don't give out 10s very often. Um, I feel like sometimes like I'm a little too critical on some stuff to make it a 10 because it kind of needs to sit and percolate a little bit for me to really understand if this is something I want to watch. For me, I 100% want to buy this on Blu-ray. I want to own it. Uh, I think it's fun to pop on. You're right. I think it does kind of ride that line. I know a lot of our friends were saying, you know, why the fuck didn't you make it rated R? Like, we all grew up with it.
0: I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it multi-generational.
1: Well, like the books are. Exactly. Okay? Because like, and that's something I told my friend. These are stories that bridge the gap between adults and children. Right. They're campfire stories. Right. Right. And so it doesn't need to be all adult. I would have loved to see some of these stories as dark as they possibly could. And perhaps, yeah, like maybe one day we'll walk along the razor's edge and actually (laughs) see that. But I think some of the charm about these stories are that it kind of bridges that gap. And I think if you would have gone too far, it kind of would have taken away from it. And, you know, after watching the documentary, reading these books, Like, I feel like it needed to be PG-13 after all. And they really did kind of push it a little bit. There's some stuff in it. It's not super gory, but I mean... There's some stuff in it that, like, you you know, it pushes that PG-13 pretty hard. It's just not a lot of... There's no blood and, you know, like, none of that kind of stuff. But these stories aren't really supposed to be that gory anyway. They are in the sense that, you know, body parts get removed and things like that. But they don't talk about blood splashing on people's face. There is, like, one story about blood on the bride's hand or some shit like that. What about the
0: Scarecrow story where he's talking about stretching out that guy's skin Right. Well,
1: sure. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't, it kind of skirts that line. So it does. And I think that the movie actually did a really good job of actually portraying that and actually trying to take it. Now, they took creative liberties with the movie to kind of expand some of the stories and actually combine some of those stories they definitely did cherry pick so so for those of you who are fans of the stories you might be either one surprised by these things in a good way or you might be a little miffed about that they didn't keep the stories as exactly as you read them i'm not one of those people i'm a fan of these books i found a new love for reading these books. It makes me want to read again because I've read these books again, and they're really easy reading, and it kind of like really explains the love of storytelling. In a lot of ways, this movie, I think, does the same thing. I thought the acting in this movie was like extremely good. I didn't feel that was that bad. I thought it was better than I I was expecting. Kind of felt like an It movie in a way, but with scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, I wasn't really scared by anything, but the imagery could be kind of scary for somebody that was of a younger age, but for me it was pretty tame for the most part. Um, I enjoyed some of the characters in it. I thought they delivered the stories very well. They they went for that approach that I was talking about with the whole um Goosebumps 2 thing where in the sequel they find a book and then things happen, and that's essentially what the trailer said. So bad thing about the trailer I would say is that I was hoping for more than I saw in the trailer and I think the trailer fucking ruined it yeah definitely I think it ruined it for my experience had I just gone and seen the movie without watching the trailers and they kind of blew their load right off the bat yeah what was it the Super Bowl they fucking showed every single type of the trailer, right. every one of the creatures, every one of the stories, like almost off the bat. Uh, there are a few nuggets in there if you want to fucking go see this movie. I mean, odds are you're going to see this movie regardless of what I say anyway. But if you want to see. Live action scary stories to tell in the dark. It's not a bad film. No. I just wanted more. I wanted a hell of a lot more. Um, I, I thought that they did a really good job for the most part. I think it's a really good film, but I was a little disappointed because I kind of was expecting that they would do other stories along the way in their storytelling. And maybe it was just too much. Maybe it was just too much money. It could have been. There's so many stories in these three books, man, that I'm holding in my hand literally as we speak. I've got scary stories, more scary stories, and more tales that chill your bones. And I feel like there could have been some funny things that they had happen along the way that they could have referenced to some of that material. I really loved how they took some of the Hearst song in the movie and kind of woven into the whole soundtrack for the movie, by the way. Oh, yeah. But they use some of the same notes, you know, to kind of like push the movie along. Uh, I thought it was pretty decent. Oh, yeah, for sure. They are definitely trying to push for a trilogy. Yeah. Uh, And they're going to do more stories. I don't think that's a bad thing. I hope that they get into it a little bit more. I think it would be fun to watch it. I thought it was a good movie, but I would probably be around where you are. I'm probably about a seven, you know. Like, maybe 7.5 it could be more it's teetering it's just i think some of my some of the punch was lost yeah by, uh by watching the trailers so if, and, a, and a lot of that could have just been like oh shit like they fucking did that exactly like the book yeah i can tell you that it's to me i think autopsy of jane doe is better <laughs> yeah thank i think it's way better um but in the same regard i think for this movie i think all of the, all of the things they were hoping for were completed. I just wish they would have added more of the stories in it, but I don't want you to think, Oh, there's not enough in there. No, it's really well weaved together. Like the stories really run together really great. Well, there's like five, six of them. Yeah. There's like a lot of artistry in the fact of how they marinated all of them together. Um, whether or not you are completely like fucked it's got to be canon or it's nothing else, then you're probably not going to like this movie. Mm. You, If you're that strict on on these stories, then it might offend you a little bit, and it might make you happy. I think I would like to see a sequel. Would you? Yeah, I'd, I'd watch the sequel. I'd watch the sequel. I just don't know what stories they would tell. I don't know tell. if I'd watch the trailer for the sequel. but Oh, I'm not watching a trailer for the sequel. Fuck yeah. that. I'm just going to go to the theater and see it, guys. And I would recommend to you, if you've been waiting to see the trailer, and you're sitting on the fence going, should I watch it? Should I watch it? Don't. Just just watch the movie. You were probably going to watch it. I, I broke my own rule, and I, I keep doing it every time because I'm just curious. The curiosity gets the best of me. But yeah, I'd probably give it about a 7, 7.5, about what you are, too. I thought it was a, it was a good outcome for a movie of this caliber with this many stories. You couldn't ask for any better writing to get this like right. off the ground. The writing was really good. The acting was really good. And like we said, it, it's definitely a great movie that you can go watch with your kids. Yeah. I think you could. I mean, there was a lot of kids in the theater. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to get into some of the uh, history of uh, scary stories to tell in the dark next. So if you want to know where the books came from and why they happened, nothing's going to spoil the movie when I talk about this. It's just kind of like the history of it. I watched some of the documentary and read up on a lot of this stuff. Thought it was very interesting. And uh, maybe you will, too. So we'll go ahead and jump into the history of scary stories to tell in the dark All right, guys, so a lot of the books, the scary stories to tell in the dark, particularly the first one, um, were put on the shelves in schools back in the day, and a lot of uh, librarians actually fought for them to stay on the shelves. While some parents got, or PTA members, were not too fond of them. They thought they were pretty grim for children to be reading between the ages of five to 11. Some schools banned it, some not. It was challenged all the way up to 2010, believe it or not. So between 2000 and 2010, 10 years, it was still challenged by a lot of people. They they were out before that, though. They, of course they were. They were out long before that, all the way back to 1981 was when the books are made. Right. So I was in elementary school when these things came out, and we used to get them at the book fair. And I didn't even know that there was all this like contention about like whether or not these should be in it. But I definitely felt when I was a little kid that, yeah, these are pushing the limit. Oh, yeah, dude. Especially with the art and the books, I remember that the the
0: red mark or the red dot or whatever, like the imagery of that girl's face busting open with the spiders was fucking right
1: crazy. Well, I always got scared by just so much of the imagery. Stephen Gamble's work was just amazing. Oh, yeah. It it definitely rode the line between what elementary kids should or should not read, and they tell a lot of stories about the the banning and some of them being very hypocritical as things are, almost mirroring today's standards. We'll get into that later. Even, you know, R.L. Stein, who did Goosebumps, had the same shit. He had the same fucking garbage about banning his stuff, and he was like a complete opposite of fucking alvin schwartz in a way in a lot of ways because he just wrote from off the top of his head didn't even look into folklore right at least these had the validity of being folklore apparently alvin schwartz was tickled pink about all the banning he thought it was amazing (laughs) in his in his dying days yeah yeah he thought it was great that it got banned. He thought it was like, "Oh, this is the perfect outcome," you know.
0: <laughs> He's like, "Fuck you."
1: Even his own son. There's some pretty interesting stuff, in the documentary, it's called "Scary Stories." If you guys want to check it out, I would highly recommend it. It's really interesting because it kind of mirrors a lot of what we're going through today uh, with with gun laws and things like that, and how people attach themselves to, uh, attach the tragedies to video games, horror movies whatever you want to attach it to. I mean, we could call it sugar if you want and then just say that sugar causes people to go crazy. But uh, he was a reporter though, Alvin Schwartz before making a lot of the books and he loved, love, 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 love folklore and research. So it was kind of like he was prepared for this kind of thing. He would spend RL Stein was like, dude, this guy would spend years, years studying one, Right. Story because he was just so into it. And he would find all these like matching similar stories. And he did, he was a reporter, a journalist, you know? Uh, Not a like super, you know, big time journalist, but he had the intuition and he had the like. More like a grassroots kind of. Well, he had the like work ethic of a fucking a real journalist. Yeah. You know? And he's actually written about 50 books uh, in total for the first 30 years that he started writing. Oh, shit. So. Uh, Apparently, his son said some of the books were successful. A lot of them weren't. You know, they just were. And it wasn't until the three books of scary stories that just took off. Of course, Alvin Schwartz passed away before he actually got to see the success of scary stories to tell in the dark. It was still being fought in the schools, the court, national PTA. Even in the documentary, they have the lady who did the PTA thing meet up with his son. Really? To talk about whether or not he thought these were acceptable for children to read. And I'm like, you already know the answer. Yes. A lot of people defended it. It was always on the line. Some people felt that it was too much. Some didn't. Whatever. But a lot of his earlier books were about how to raise children, actually. And his son was even saying that he didn't really know how to raise kids. <laughs> he just kind of wung it, you know, like, like winged it. Sometimes
0: so that, that maybe be the best way to do it. Right. Well, he
1: said, and and it's funny because... You know, his son and him actually kind of had like a, a weird relationship. He, They didn't really have the, the closest bond because he was a man of passion and he wanted to do a lot of the passionate things that he wanted to do with writing and stuff. Hmm. So he spent a lot of that time researching rather than hanging out with his kid now playing ball with his kid or whatever else. You know, early on, he actually was fighting lymphoma and was told that he was cured. So he thought everything was fine. But it eventually caught up to him. Later on, they they thought they got they thought they got it. Oh man! But they but they didn't. Oof! All the pictures that you guys hear about too uh, in the scary stories to tell in the dark. The funny thing about this is is that Stephen Gamble is a, one of the more seclusive kind of individuals that you'll find, and he's very particular about what he'll work on. It's interesting because Stephen Gamble was presented to Alvin Schwartz by his publisher, and he instantly loved. Stephen Gamble's work. So Alvin was like, hell yeah, this is good. So all the pictures to me really set the tone for the whole series, and they kind of make it very endearing. Oh, yeah. And creepy. It's like, these are, these are pieces of art that you cannot replicate. There's people that have tried to replicate it. But them together, Alvin Schwartz and him, was like a force to be unleashed on the imaginations of children, mine included. Oh, yeah. Like, those pictures stuck with me. It's like they were both fascinating, and and I was also kind of scared of them a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. You know, it felt, like, scary to open the pages a little bit. And then the cool thing about the books was that he would teach you how to scare people and, like, how to, like, tell a story. Yeah. Because he felt like the the, the key to these books were how you tell them. And like the key to a, any scary story was how you tell them. Even the beginning of this book, he tells a story of this prince a young prince who became famous for a scary story he started to tell, but did not finish. And his name was Mamilius, and he—he's probably was nine or ten years old. William Shakespeare, of course, told about him in The Winter's Tale, and apparently the queen asked him for some sort of story, and she he said a sad tale's best for winter because it was winter at the time, and he said I have one of sprites and goblins. And she was like, do your best to frighten me with your sprites. And he said, I'll tell you to you softly. Yon cricket shall not hear it. And then he said the last final words that he had before finishing this story was, there was a man dwelt by a churchyard. But that was as far as he got, you know, he was never able to finish it because the king came in and arrested the queen and took her away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh shit! So and soon after that, Mamilius died. So no one knows how that story would have finished, and that in some ways intrigued Alvin Schwartz to the point of how to tell stories and how interesting it was for people to know that story by mm. dragging it out. Right. So that's the kind of the, the the genius, I guess, of Alvin Schwartz. Whether you like the books or not, this is what kids remember. You know, Lovecraft may have been a better writer, but Alvin Schwartz was good at getting kids involved in the dark arts, cutting up lambs. Just kidding. <laughs> getting them virgins. Oh, my God. No. But Stephen Gamble did the artwork. That was like one of the most important things of of this whole book. It's what tied it all together because Alvin Schwartz was actually really good at writing. And for children especially, uh, but with Stephen Gamble's work, it just really, like I said, it just really makes that a solid punch to the face. It's like to a whole nother level. Yeah, it's the best possible outcome you could have for these kind of stories. But there was a little bit of a debacle a few years back where they put out the books with new art. That caused a huge uproar on the internet and the price of the old books. That were made previous to it. The originals went up in price. They were like five hundred to eight, nine hundred dollars. Yeah, a piece. I think. Damn. Yeah. Or just the set. I don't remember, but it was expensive. So they, of course, re-released it. I think it was like last year at some point because I remember we reported on it. I think Brittany was with me. She's got like tattoos up and down her leg of Stephen Gamble's artwork because she's just such a fan. But Gamble, like I mentioned before, is like a really private person. He's He doesn't do any interviews, by the way. So none. Hardly. There are hardly any. There is one interview he did many, many, many years ago, and they talk about it in this documentary called Scary Stories. I'll sort of paraphrase what they said in the story. They mentioned that his job as an illustrator and his preference was to draw from his imagination and not research. That, you know, he kind of wanted to make each of his drawings his own and what he represented it as. to So, you know, he said to satisfy himself, I guess. He didn't even like to work with anyone when he did these kind of drawings either. He preferred to work a 100% alone. Unless they made these stories up from the get together. Mm. So from concept. He said that when an author has done his work, that's where it ends. And it's now his job to interpret that work into his artwork to make the best possible work possible. Like I said, unless they work together like the author and him from conception. He even said that when he was a kid that he would turn in his uh, reports, like his writing reports, to his teacher with artwork on the side, thinking that that would impress the teachers to give him a better grade, and he said that it didn't work. (laughs) And that's pretty much the only... Peek into Stephen Gamble's life that we really get to see. That's pretty telling, I guess, in a lot yeah. of ways. Oh yeah. But as I mentioned before, Alvin Schwartz, of course, died from cancer. He had originally been battling lymphoma and was thought to have been cured, but it apparently came back. And his son Peter Schwartz, he has like two sons and a daughter. I guess one of uh, he's one of the many. Anyway, said that the last time that he saw his father. He had this urge to say, I love you, but for some reason, he decided against it and just kind of stared at him and walked away. And so I guess, you know, his like I mentioned before, him and his father didn't really have the closest relationship. Kind of strange. Right? Well, it wasn't as strange. It was just separate. Yeah. And even Alvin would write on the back of the picture of him to his son from your distant father. So, you know, it was kind of like a joke to him in a way. Like, yeah, I know. I haven't been a real close father. Right. So, but it, it was interesting because this, this documentary really delved into that. And he was very open about it. I thought that was really integral into this documentary. You can tell that he wasn't exactly 100% on board with everything that his dad was doing. He even told a story about his father and him having a talk about something where he was like, why don't you do something that's like of value? Huh. to his father kind of <laughs> he's like you could do so much more something more ambition than these tales these little tiny tales and his father said you don't want to know what I'm thinking about you right now <laughs> right Damn. it's dark right Like yeah. that's, but that's some real family shit he said that you know in all fairness he was in like I think he was in school for Princeton or something like that and he was in business And so he was a very practical thinker, not a creative thinker. So that's why they kind of butted heads to begin with a little bit. Uh, But I think he's made up for that a lot. You know, like Mm. after his passing of his father, I think he is now kind of the herald that speaks of him and defends his work. So it's kind of an interesting thing, you know, maybe. But he's definitely learned the value of these books and what they've meant to the world, you know, since then. He seems to be the kind of the figurehead of 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 uh, Alvin Schwartz's work. So, but even they had that PTA lady that caused the big national stink about these books. Meet up with him to ask him that question. So, it was, you know, like, do you really think these are for kids? And he was like, Yeah. It's like, there's so many different stories that these attribute to in real life, and it's folk tales retold. Things that we're supposed to remember, right? And it's you know, these are things that kids need to learn as they get older and this is done in a way that is like, you know, not a conversation that you need to have with your children like where someone dies. And when you think about it, I mean, storytelling is really like a lost art. I think so. I mean, I, some of the thing that we've I've realized, we talked about this a little bit earlier, is how everything is like being blamed for the problems with the world. The, the world has been shitty since it began. It's also been beautiful oh, yeah. since it began. Yep. Everybody is fucked up. Everybody just does things. I'm not trying to say that they're okay things by any means, but kids, we, as a kid grow up knowing these things that our parents never even tell us. And you know where we learn some of these things to kind of like cope with that kind of stuff is books and media and stuff. Yeah. you could say, you could say it shapes everything, but it all kind of balances out. You know what I mean? It's not like mm. these things are just like an abomination and, You know, I think you see more fucked up stuff on the news than you ever see in these fucking books. Oh, yeah. And and the separation of your mind, knowing that video games, horror movies, you know that they're not real. These are made. These aren't real snuff films, okay? Like, these these are, yeah, they say things that your kids weren't thinking about, maybe, necessarily, but they're a lot smarter than you give them credit for. It doesn't mean they're going to go out and start picking people off. You know, because they read these dark things. Well, it's crazy. We think it's just today. But no, this shit's been going on for a long time. Yeah. It was metal music. It was satanic panic. It was fucking scary stories to tell in the dark. It's video games and violence. Doom. Uh, it's fucking kiss. Uh, GTA <laughs> kiss. Like, if you put sugar on your cereal, you're going to become a fucking Charles Manson. <laughs> If you jerk off too many times, you'll get Harry Palms and become a murderer.
0: <laughs> never heard that one.
1: <laughs> I've never gotten Harry Palms. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I put the research in. I Let yeah. me tell you. I did the research on the Harry Palms thing. For why? I was very
0: uh, hands-on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
1: Anyway, guys, what do you think about that? Did you read these scary stories to tell in the dark? Do you think these are okay for kids? Because personally I do. And I and as a kid I I, I looked into these kind of things and I knew how to delineate between it. Yeah, there are some kids out there That may need some guidance from somebody to kind of digest these kind of things. And that's what teachers are supposed to do. That's what uh, maybe your church is supposed to do. Although I'm not 100% on that. Uh, (laughs) uh, Your parents are supposed to do. Your brothers, your friends. You know, sometimes we get a bad fucking deal, you know what I mean? And I don't don't know about
0: brothers either. I I think
1: a lot of the times, these stories, these kind of things, these movies, these games, they're more of an outlet than they are some sort of fucking depraved thing that we watch. And anytime I've ever watched any kind of these, like, traces of death kind of fucking things, it really disturbed me, and it made me appreciate the people I have, because... Life is kind of fucked up, and it can go at any fucking point in time, and we learn this eventually as kids. We can't shield them from everything. You know, we just got to help them to digest it better any way we can. So next, we're going to get into some of our scenes and kind of the spoiler section, so you may want to skip over that. So we're going to go ahead and sound the alarm right now. (laughs) Please So, guys, now we're in our spoiler section. We're not going to break down the whole movie or anything. We're just going to talk about some of the different characters and different stories that they used in this movie, what we kind of thought, what were some of our favorite scenes. So, what did you think of how they kind of combined a lot of the stories together? Did that bother you?
0: It didn't really bother me. I mean, if anything, they're, they're really trying to make an anthology out of this, and I don't see any other way because some of these stories are very short, and some of them seem like they kind of fit together.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I just, I think what I was looking forward to a little bit more is just, like, having these little ones. Like, there's that one where the girl gets, she thinks there's a hand grabbing her out of the ground, and mm. it's really, she stuck a something, it's it's something about dancing on somebody's grave or whatever. She gets challenged to, to stand on a grave, and she pokes this thing in the ground, and she accidentally pokes her dress into the thing. uh uh-huh. And she thinks it's a hand coming out of the ground because of her friends telling her that the hand will come out of the ground and pull her down. But really, she's just got her dress stuck because she pinned it herself.
0: Maybe they could have opened up with a scene like that.
1: I I just they could have added that in in this movie at any instant when they're running across the fucking cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. Or some sort of, like, you know, just little nods to some of that stuff, I think, would have been, like, I kind of wanted a little bit more rapid fire. It felt a little too quaint for me uh, in this movie.
0: Maybe it should have been, like, like a like a whole, like, the book took over, like, the whole town and, like, l- these little stories were happening everywhere.
1: Right, yeah, like that. I mean, maybe that might have, it could have gone wrong. Yeah, a little bit, you know, but I think it would have been a little bit more to see. It would have been nice to see more stories. Yeah. In the mix. Yeah, for sure. Like, I still think what we got was like really good. And like, I felt like it was done very well. It was a good outcome for the movie. Like I mentioned before. I don't know, man. I'm not personally upset that they took. How many stories was it they did for the Jangly Man? I I believe it was three. Yeah. The Jangly Man is, is part of one of the stories called What Do You Come For about a woman who's like super lonely and all of a sudden these body parts come down the chimney or something like that, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And, she's and like, then what reconnect do you as
1: a person. And she's like, why are you here? I'm scared out of my mind. And then it also comes from like Aaron Kelly's Bones uh, about a man who dies and comes back to his wife looking dead as fuck. And she tries to marry someone else because he just won't go back to the grave, <laughs> and then that person decides to leave her because they don't want to deal with her dead fucking husband. But on their but on their wedding night, before he decides to leave her, the the new husband has a fiddler there, and then this corpse like dances around like over and over again, losing parts of his bones, like he's like coming apart. And she's like, "Play faster, play louder, it till you break it." Yeah, and, like, so that was kind of interesting. And then there's uh, the other story of the Me Tidy Doty Walker. Me Tidy Doty Walker. <laughs> yeah, which is a, another story about this kid who gets challenged to hide in the haunted house, this haunted house or something, this haunt. He, they call it a haunt. And um, his dog, he brings his dog with him, and he's going to get paid all this money if he stays in. Over the night, and he makes a fire, and there's like all these like noises outside from me, Tidy Doty Walker, (laughs) which sounds like some like Gaelic shit. Right. And we thought there might
0: have even been some meaning to it. Don't bother looking anything up about it. There is no hidden meaning about me, Tidy Doty Walker. Well, there may be,
1: but we don't know what it is. We couldn't find anything about it, apparently. Um, There was also the dog talking like the dog talks his dog the kid's dog and they do that in the movie when the fucking cop is like you've got to be fucking kidding me <laughs> and he right. shoots the head a million times but no puncture wounds happen to it yeah it's almost like it doesn't even exist and they got wep- swept up into this world which is probably one of the most violent scenes of the movie when you think about yeah, it yeah because he breaks that guy's neck or whatever yeah yeah that's probably the most violence you're going to see in this movie. Most of it's just jump scares. But that was the big combo one where, you know, we, we kind of like, like I had read some of the stories and I was just trying to piece which ones because a lot of these stories in the book kind of run together sometimes a little bit anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it doesn't really offend me personally uh, from a movie watching experience and versus the book. I mean, the books are really great because they kind of like tell you how to scare people, like how to read stories and how to say it like quietly and all this stuff which i thought was really cool oh yeah so um there was another scene they had Harold, which was with well, the first story right which was a different story than the book because they have what the the fucking jockey dickhead who's dating one of the kids
0: sisters the... one of the kid's sisters yeah
1: yeah which um he was a real dick i just wanted to punch him in the face the whole fucking movie really dude like, which yeah. means he did a good job man yeah, like kudos but I would have knocked his fucking teeth out. You know, I don't give a fuck. Like, that shit fucking bothered me for some reason because he was just a huge dick. Um, But I thought that story was, like, one of my favorites. Yeah, I would agree with that. Do you think? Oh, yeah. Because I thought they did Harold Justice, you know. They made him kind of... If I had to pick one of the stories that was, like, one of the creepiest, personally, I like that one a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Although the, the Toe one, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, which borrows from two different stories as well is kind of a good one too. But do you want to talk about like the Harold scene?
0: Uh, I, I mean the, the the scarecrow itself. It was like straight from the fucking book. Well, they was, show
1: him picking on him too, like punching him in the face right, and all these bugs crawling up. Baseball bat, and right? It,
0: it, I I really liked it when he started walking when he started walking through the cornfield and uh, he just kept passing Harold.
1: Yeah, like he couldn't get away. Like from Like he him. was
0: in another dimension, kind of like you know Blair Witch or somewhere. you just couldn't get out.
1: Right. And it, it, well, maybe if he had a compass or followed the <laughs> yeah, or follow the river. Just follow one row yeah, all the way down. The get is, out eventually. Yeah. I wonder if someone, if they were like, oh, he could have followed the corn row all the way out. <laughs> Enough of your shit. Anyway, right. okay, sorry. <laughs> we digress. Yeah, let's take a shot. You need to wake up. I'm awake. I don't hear it. I think you're drunk.
0: I'm a little drunk. I am a little drunk. So why don't we just take more shots? Because that helps, right? I think so.
1: I think that's how it works. Does it? I think I'm a little worn out. I'm not as, uh, uh you want to pour it for me? You want me to do it? I'll pour it for you. I'm a gentleman. Here, I'll do it. Here, I'm like... a fucking
0: gentleman. Get let me you. do it. I feel like, man, dead man Pat- on campus. Like, let me light
1: it. Patrick's getting all <laughs> fucking- a fucking gentleman. All cozy, all fucking Matthew McConaughey up in the fucking chair over here. Hey, ladies, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> thing all right, I, all right, all right. Thing I like about high school is, you know, it's like, <laughs> Jesus,
0: man. Got my down. leg cocked up on the chair and shit. <laughs> 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 all right, cheers,
1: my friend. Cheers, bro. But, yeah, the interesting thing about the uh, Harold character is in the actual story, if you guys remember, Harold was fashioned to look like one of their friends that they didn't like. Uh, It was an old farmer that had passed or something. Yeah, and they were, like, making fun of him. They never liked him or something like that. So they made this as a joke, as a drunken joke, and they drank and partied and... Eventually, they were like telling like, when they didn't like their food
0: that they ate because it's food they ate every day, they would smear it on Harold's face and be like, How do you like that stew, Harold? Right.
1: They would put him out in the fucking cornfield to scare away the scarecrows. And then
0: the scarecrows, there's like wandering scarecrows I mean... out there. <laughs> Shut
1: the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to scare the crows off, and, of course, what a scarecrow does. But Harold, they would, like, make jokes with him at first, and then they would take their aggressions out on him, until eventually, what Patrick mentioned earlier about the skin and everything like that, is that one of the, they they, they hear fucking Harold grunt, and they're like, uh, yeah, that's not cool. Wasn't
0: it, like, Tommy and... Alfred? Tommy and Alfred. Alfred.
1: Yeah. Tommy or Thomas and Alfred in the story, right? But they use the same name for the fucking douchebag, fucking uh, jock guy, uh, who is beating on Harold and being dicks to the kids and shit in the story. Yeah, it was Thomas in the story and it's Tommy in the the film, right? I don't know. I thought the Harold start the part in that was actually pretty spot on for the most part. I mean, yeah, it was about like farmers and shit like that in the book, and it didn't, I almost
0: like the story from the book more than i like the story that they told in the film
1: yeah i mean well that's because it's a little bit more personal yeah Um, they kind of show the tommy kid with his friends beating on it kind of day after day he's like fuck you harold eat shit harold that's what he says eat shit harold yeah because they can get away with the word shit they can't get away with fuck (laughs) in a pg-13 movie fuck shit (laughs) i liked it i liked how he was all rickety and fucking scary like, kind of chasing him and walking slow like an old slasher like Jason, Dude, you know? those
0: cockroaches they had just crawling all over him and inside his fucking eye
1: sockets was just... It, it definitely added to it, I thought. Oh, yeah. yeah. I almost feel like this movie needed to be in black and white. <laughs> Dude, you know you what know I mean? What? Just because of the fucking books and shit, you know?
0: Like uh, This is way off track, but I used to think it was stupid when like they would play, like... I don't know if you remember this, but they used to play some of the Walking Dead episodes in black and white on Sci-Fi Channel. Mm-mm. And I was like, how stupid are people that you know that you can change the color settings on your TV
1: to make anything black and white? Like, can you? You can. Oh, I didn't know that. What? I don't know. I don't, why do I? Why do I care to change it to black and white all the time? We're in Go co- to your This is the color revolution. You man. can
0: take all the color out of anything that you're watching.
1: Anyway, Anyways, anyway, we digress again. Uh, you digress. I if digress. I can... I'll digress the <laughs> shit out of this. <laughs> anyway, there was also the uh, dream. The uh, big pale lady Which is from the books It's called The Dream She was the larger oh, creature Man In the movie with the red room Which they connected it, Which I don't remember it being in the books I yeah. didn't see the red room or anything Neither like that One but of
0: the-, the the character itself was fucking straight from the book Right Oh my god, the artwork, dude Like, the character from the movie Is exactly what you remember from this book
1: From the artwork, yeah, yeah 100% Yeah, oh. Perfect. Just her smiling and shit. Creepy as fuck. She feels like she's just going to eat. I thought she was going to swallow somebody, but she just pushed him into his body, into her body. Yeah, and that kind of took the creep factor away from it. Which, by like, the way, it has nothing to do with the book whatsoever. The no. book is like very, it, it's it's like she just pops up all of a sudden mm-hmm. in, this, in the book and like not much is said about her. They don't even talk about her being large other than the fact the picture shows her as large. They don't. Yeah,
0: they don't mention her being big at all. No. But that's the way you want to go. Just old and friendly. uh, And she's just smiling
1: away in the fucking movie. (laughs) And like he tries to go down the hallway and like escape each way. And it's like, nope, nope, nope. She's in every corner and you think they would have made it like don't you think he would have dodged around her a little bit i would have tried to jupe her yeah like, kind of like you know sidestep that fast let's <laughs> be honest here you know what i mean she's not been working out that kid's young but the end
0: result of that scene it could have been a lot better especially with them being multiple of that lady maybe they all took a part in you know taking him down but it was just kind of fell
1: flat you know, I mean, I, I said earlier that, you know, it would have been better. It, it needed to be PG-13 anyway. But, you know, ultimately, I really would love to see it. Yeah, just to have them to take it there. Right. But, you know, I feel like, you know, I mean, part of the reason they did it was because they wanted to appeal to a larger audience. Yeah, obviously. obviously, yes. But from a fan of these stories, I feel like, you know, it wouldn't have been true to them if it was, like, super dark. No, and it but might that's have not ups- to
0: say that they couldn't have gone away with doing a super hardcore film,
1: but the thing is is that a lot of the reason a lot of the a lot of people this book, these books got them into horror, yeah, you know what I mean like these were the stories that, made, totally that made that made them a horror fan, so if they would have gone too far, yeah, you know we're fucking we've been basted in this fucking gore and crazy shit. It's thirty-six years now and it's fucking disbased. And- <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna say it, like me especially, I feel like I've watched a lot of fucking movies that I would love to see go fucking apeshit. I watched I don't know if you guys watch the guys called Corridor. They do all the like CGI special effects stuff and they kind of make it like a comedy thing, but they like took some Marvel action scenes and turned them into gore fests. And there was, like, one scene I was like, oh, my God, that is amazing. Like, because if you think about, like, Thor's hammer and, like, slashing, hitting somebody with a hammer, he's not just going to be like, bink, and, like, fly back. He's going to explode. He's going to explode. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. Anyway, I think, I think it was probably the better choice to go for this, even though I know it was a marketing move, probably, for them. Mm-hmm maybe not maybe i'm maybe i've lost too much hope in humanity and <laughs> um and i'm wrong about that but i think you know like it would be nice to see these in a darker darker dude, way
0: especially like one of the ones that really i mean probably one of the shorter of the stories but the the red mark the red dot whatever if they went a little little bit better close ups on that the face when the spiders started coming it out it of it fa- yeah thing, oh yeah. dude like i really wanted
1: they couldn't show any gore though they had to like they, I mean, flashes of gore, there was, but... She was the luckiest one out of everyone. Everybody yeah. else just ceased to exist.
0: Right, which we might see in the next movie if they do do another movie.
1: Well, it seems like that's what they were going for by the end of this movie. Yeah. Um. One of the other things in the story that I wanted to mention... Um, Stella, who was the, the red haired girl with the glasses and everything in this movie, who was also a writer and kind of admired the character that they came up with in the movie called Sarah Bellows. She kind of, uh, kind of understood her. She knew the history on this girl a little bit more than anybody else, I would say. But they did, uh, the story, The Haunted House, in the book that this is based off of. And you even see it in the book that she writes. And all these stories that come to life. And I think they changed it a bunch, obviously, because it is different than the haunted house story. They th-
0: had to make a narrative. They had to make a, you know. Well,
1: especially for kids, because yeah. they, the kids were the stars of these mov- of this movie. And in the original story, they, they they had like, I think it was some woman that was killed and a priest decided to stay in this haunted house. And this spirit of this lady who was murdered was like, Talking to him saying, Hey, I'll give you all this gold if you take my finger or something. Which I
0: think they could have adapted that story a little bit better than that. I think so too. But let
1: me let me explain the story first before you jump into that. She she tells the priest that if he takes this I think it's a finger. Yeah, it was it's a bony finger of hers and takes it and puts it in the collection plate that if she does that. It'll attach to the person who is the killer and actually killed her and is responsible for her murder. And then she disappears. And she's like, well, if you t- well, before she disappears, he says she says, if you do that, then I will give you all the fortunes uh, of all the treasure that's buried. And he's like, OK. So he takes the finger, puts it in the collection plate and attached to this guy's hand and then fucking like. He comes in, the guy gets arrested, I guess he confesses yeah. to the murders uh, to the murder. And then uh, she goes back sometime later and she gives him, tells him that under the hearthstone, you can find this gold and he uses it in the movie. They kind of combine that story with another story called The Big Toe. It's weird because the the woman in the story of the haunted house is the exact same woman that's going around walking around looking for her toe. hmm Yeah. In the big toe story, they don't really say if it's male or female. They just say this thing, this this sort of like thing, like, what did you do with my toe? It's about this kid who finds a toe sticking up out of the ground. He pulls on it. And it doesn't come up. And then he jerks it so hard that it comes off. And he hears something running off in the distance. Then he goes home. His mom cooks up the fucking toe. They cut it into three pieces and all eat it. And then that night, a fucking creature comes and is like, where's my toe? Who took my toe? So in the movie, they kind of combine it. It's weird because in in the book, the woman with no eyes... Is in the haunted house, but in the movie, she's used for the big toe. Yeah. So it's a little confusing. During Augie, one of the kids, he gets the big toe story, but they use the woman, the picture from the story of the haunted house. So it's a little confusing.
0: Like, yeah, apparently ghosts can manifest stew in
1: your fridge. I don't I'm... Yeah. But yeah, which is kinda interesting. I like how they kind of like spun that a little bit to kind of make it like the whole world. I almost was like questioning it for a little bit, like if were they in the even in the real world? Yeah. Like maybe they never really left the house, the cerebello's house. Because they tell the story of this girl who was an albino that they kept locked away in the basement and tried to accuse of of like murdering somebody or something murdering like that. murdering
0: children apparently yeah
1: but they were the ones that murdered children and like they were by trying
0: in mercury or something in the water yeah or they something? like poisoned
1: the water and they tried to blame it on her so that they could get away with murder and they you know whatever and that's the story of the haunted house which the the main character Stella. <laughs> Stella. <laughs> yeah she she was the like main story character of the story and she goes back into the haunted house story during the movie because the book starts writing itself i thought that was all pretty cool like that's what i liked about it
0: like it was weird that she was like almost put in her exact shoes it was in almost the like past.
1: death note or something like that you ever yeah, seen a
0: little bit yeah
1: you know what i mean like like it was like a death note meets goosebumps
0: that's a great comparison, right there. A, right, yeah, that's a great uh, duo, right there. Yeah. yeah, I would, I would not have thought of that. but yeah, that fits perfectly.
1: Yeah, but I mean, a lot of people didn't like the Death Note movie that Adam Wingard did in Netflix. I didn't mind it so much, but I'm not. I like, liked it. I'm not like a huge fan of the fucking.
0: Yeah, I'm not a big anime. No, I mean, I like anime. Don't the... get me wrong, but I didn't watch that anime.
1: No, and I the closest I got was to watching the first Death Note movie, that the live action movie that they did, which wasn't all that great. So, but anyway,
0: yeah, yeah. you got me on something because what's his name? Uh, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe in that movie was fucking amazing. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. But I I thought it was interesting, though, with the Stella character when she goes back to the haunted house and it's almost like she's stuck in the past. Right. Right. And remember, she drops her glasses. Yeah, and, what's and he finds name? it. I thought that was cool. Those are yeah, like was... nice little touches. Uh, it was nice that they kind of wove those stories together. I didn't feel like the movie ended poorly. I thought it all wrapped up really nicely. And, you know, it felt really cool that they, they did it that way. But yeah, that's pretty much it. The movie was pretty, I thought it was pretty cool. Like, they they thought that the visual aesthetics and everything, like, all fit. It didn't feel out of place or anything like that. I thought it was fun. It was a little bit more quaint than I expected, but it's still a good movie.
0: I I, think they accomplished the goals they were trying to do with this film. Yeah,
1: I think so too. It wasn't, it didn't blow past my expectations. It kind of just, like, was under a little under what I wanted. Right. But it also, you know, maybe my expectations were a little higher than they should have been. I know mine were
0: because I was expecting it to go there.
1: Also, I don't know what to say. You know, like these fucking trailers, man. It's like, how are you supposed to know if a movie's good? And and who the fuck are making these trailers where they're ruining the goddamn movie? Right. Stop it.
0: I want to tell you right now.
1: Like, somebody should fucking... Like, can any producer, anybody who's, like, in charge of, like, you know, putting these trailers out, somebody has to approve it. Why are you approving it? <laughs> right. Like, oh, you got to trim it back, man. We got to make it creepy without, like, you know... Giving too much away. There, use your creativity to make it creepier than not show everything. Like, do something about it. Put a song in there that makes it... Put that fucking Lana Del Rey song of the the, the season of the witch in the fucking trailer or something. Yeah. You know, like something to make it better because you're ruining the experience for people like me who are looking forward to this shit.
0: Yeah. Like, and it's not
1: supposed to be that way. Yes, you're supposed to sell the movie and make people want to go see it. But if you have to show and blow your entire load, you are fucking coming too fast and no one's going to fuck you. (laughs)
0: like I was gonna say dude the ring trailer for the first American ring movie like I've never I never saw the Korean version or whatever but that intrigued me so much because it gave you nothing but it left you with all the intrigue. Right.
1: You just needed to make it fucking like dark and like not express anything. You didn't need to like do four trailers where it showed every single one of the creatures. Yeah. Except the Jangly Man, which we got to see in what? The second or third trailer anyway. Yeah. Like they didn't show the Jangly Man in the beginning, but they, they fucking blew their load on the first four well, you trailers. You can tell they
0: edited this film sneak too. Sneak
1: peeks. Well, like if you're going to, those are your sneak peeks. Well, that's the whole fucking, that's like 50% of the movie right there yeah. or more oh yeah fuck you guys fuck you i don't know it makes me mad dude because i wonder if i would have loved this movie had did not.
0: right had not been
1: expecting to see these scenes i was there when these fucking little bastards were made you mm-hmm. know i was there guys i grew up with this shit yep yeah, it was 81 81 yeah i grew up with this shit this was in my elementary school when i was a kid and i picked this up at that fucking the school fair
0: yeah the book fair me too dude that's where i first saw it i I remember seeing the artwork for it and being like bam here's my
1: 10 bucks the two things that i would buy at those book fairs were uh scary stories to tell in the dark if there was ever a new one i'd be like boom 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 that's yeah mommy gave me 20 dollars. i'm gonna go buy this motherfucker (laughs) um and i would also buy like the mouse and the motorcycle i would also get those adventure stories where you choose your own adventure I got those I, are my favorite. I,
0: I I specifically remember getting the first series, the first book of that, and uh, where the sidewalk ends.
1: Right, and then there was these other books when I was a kid. Like, and I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember this. I may be showing my old fucking waggly fucking wrinkled dick on this one, but <laughs> they used to have these books that you could code with. You could type in all this stuff in DOS. Like the DOS, like actual DOS. Yeah, you're old. And sock, you could dude. create a you could create a game by the code that was in the back of the book. Oh, damn! And you could play it. I never got it to work.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember that shit, but that's insane.
1: But those are the books that I would get, is like this, you know, all that. Choose Your Own Adventure was awesome, too. I love those. Oh yeah, those... I, st- I think I still have some of those books. How many books. times
0: do you just go back and you're like, wait, no, 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 no. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Right. Yeah, we, <laughs> we all fucking
1: cheated, Patrick. You don't know, uh, you know, we all cheated, okay? Everybody acts like they didn't, but I did, okay? And I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm fucking sorry, Mom. I'm a piece of shit. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming by this week. I know that was uh, kind of a long-winded thing, but I, I had a lot to say about it. It's going to be hell editing this, by the way. Yeah, have fun. Because we were on Sambuca, and that shit turns us fucking sideways. I kept grabbing these books like I was petting them like they were my lover. He did. He was really Ooh, uh, yeah. heavy petting on those books. I was using them as a fan. I was kissing them. Sambu gets you hot. It gets you fucked up. It gets you hot on the collar. Three years, guys. If you listen to this far, what are we going to do for The Secret Code this week? Because I want to know. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. I think that's, that's appropriate. All right. I like so it. So I'd like to end this podcast by saying the worms play peanut in your snout. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like them apples.
1: Seriously, guys, thank you so much. Patrick, thank you for coming and and being back on this Thanks show for having me i really am i this i love this fucking show i i love you guys i love patrick oh, i'm high as fuck right now <laughs> on Boca. <Sambuca. laughs> we got the banana splits show coming up we got 47 meters down i don't know if i'm gonna go see that in the theater net just yet ready or not is coming out august 21st so guys expect that uh we're gonna be watching that for sure uh i don't know if i really want to see jacob's ladder but it's coming um, it looked kind of garbage to me. No offense. <laughs> it, Chapter Two, comes out September 6th. So we'll be doing that. But we got a lot of things coming out. We'll let you know in the middle of the week what we're going to be doing. But thanks again for coming by. Happy third anniversary! BTV! <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. And as always,
0: Long live the Void. That's yes.